Hey everybody, welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible on hand, I want you to hold two spots and in the same part of your Bible. I want you to hold a spot in 1 Corinthians 2, and then I want you to hold a spot in 2 Corinthians 5. If you're joining us for the first time, we are in the final session of a series called Overtaken. And the headline uh, for this entire series has been this, what has gotten into them? That was the headline uh, that was over the first followers of Jesus who had been filled with the Holy Spirit and people were seeking an explanation for the before and the after. These men were filled with God's Spirit. They started to change and transform some force had overtaken them and people were super curious. Now, as we've said in all the previous sessions, this was predicted. Jesus told them that the Holy Spirit would come on them and that they would receive power and that it would literally rock their world. It was gonna change them and the people that they reached forever, right? And that's the same experience that God intends for every believer. It's not unique to the men of the book of Acts. It is consistent throughout church history. Uh, when people come to Christ, they're filled with the Spirit, and God intends for that same overtaking, that same transformation, and the same headline from people who are witnessing the before and the after, right? God, just like he set those men loose in the city of Jerusalem, uh, when the first church was born, ever since, he's been setting believers loose, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, where they live, where they work, where they pray, where they play. He wants to do the same thing with us, and we're learning about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and, more importantly, through you to reach other people. And in part one, we talked about how the Holy Spirit wants to release captives. He wants to set people free using you. We talked about how the Holy Spirit wants to relieve pain through you. We talked about how the Holy Spirit wants to reduce the burden of other people. We talked about last week with Pastor Jason how the Holy Spirit wants to raise spirits and bring encouragement through you to people. And today, we're gonna to talk about how the Holy Spirit, listen, wants to reach souls using you. Now, to get us thinking in God's direction, I wanna ask you a question. How many interactions do you think the average person or yourself have on any given day? Now, I went on and did some research, went online and did a little bit of research, and most of the studies uh, kinda come around the same number. The average person has about 25 to 30 interactions a day with separate people. And those interactions last on average about 10 minutes. Now, I don't know if that number seems high or low to you, but when I thought about it, it's not super high when you think about it. You know, you got your, your good morning exchanges, you got your work interactions, you got your coffees, your lunches, your workouts, your, your waiters, your waitresses, you got your family, you got your kids, you got your kids' activities, you got your kids' coaches, you got the parents of the kids who are in your kids' activities, you got dog parks, right? You got neighbors and on and on and on. So it's not hard to see how on a daily basis, we're talking to between 
25 and 30 people. Now, here's the amazing thing. The amazing thing is that you and I have the power to take those interactions and conversations, listen, any way we want to take them. We have the freedom to choose the topics of the conversations, where we want the conversations to go, what we would like to discuss, right? At any time we choose. That's really important. So add the two together. You have it between 25 and 30 interactions. They last about 10 minutes each. And you have the amazing power to take those interactions and conversations in any direction that you want. So let me give you a kingdom fact followed by a kingdom question. Here's the kingdom fact. In the kingdom of God, man of God, every conversation counts. I'm going to say it again. In the kingdom of God, every conversation and interaction that you have with another person counts. Now, here's the kingdom question in light of the kingdom fact. Where will you take those conversations? Where are you going to take them? What are you going to talk about? You see, God's man knows that when he's with believers, okay, the Holy Spirit wants to raise the spirit of believers. Now, God's man also knows that when he is with non-believers, what does the Holy Spirit want to do? Well, he knows that the Holy Spirit wants to use him, not someone else, because someone else isn't there. The Holy Spirit wants to use him to reach and save their soul. So before we get into the study, let me give you one last question. Will you, knowing these facts, will you be willing to allow those conversations to be focused on something that will change another person's life for all eternity, for forever. Believers have that power through the Holy Spirit and they have that privilege through the Holy Spirit and they have that purpose as we're gonna see in our study. So here's what we're gonna do for our time together. We're gonna see how relationship with Jesus transforms our view of people. Secondly, we're gonna see the purpose behind Jesus's process with his followers. Third, we're gonna see an example of a man who is overtaken by the power of the Holy Spirit and he knows why. And then lastly, we're gonna look at how the Holy Spirit will move in us and through us to reach others for God, specifically to reach their soul. So let's look first at the invitation to relationship with Jesus and the end game of that process. You find that in Mark chapter one, verse 17. If you downloaded the notes, it's right at the top. Um, says this, Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Okay, very familiar passage for Christians. Let's unpack it word by word, phrase by phrase. First, there's come, all right? When you say come, what is that? All right, write this down. It's an invitation, all right? So come is an invitation. That starts the relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, come, all right? Now here's the second, second phrase. Come, follow me. What's that? That's imitation, okay? When you come into relationship with Jesus, all right, you learn a way from the master, right, to be. You learn a way to believe. You learn a way to behave. That's what a disciple was then and is now, right? Jesus is saying, follow me as I follow God, right, and do what I do. Watch me closely 
and then do what I do. The third phrase that we see after come, follow me is I will show you how, right? What is that? That's impartation, which suggests the next aspect of the relationship, right? There's an invitation into the relationship. There is imitation going on in the relationship. There's teacher and student, there's master and servant, right? And then there's this impartation, right? It's a process of training, right? So in the relationship with Jesus, there's this process that he's telling his guys like, hey, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna make you, right? And then there's the last phrase, come follow me, I will show you how to fish for people. What's that? That's our impact. All right, there's your end game. There is the purpose of the process in relationship with Jesus. You and I are in relationship with Jesus. The disciples are in relationship with Jesus, right? There's an invitation to imitation. And while we're in relationship, there's impartation from Jesus. We watch him, we see what he says, we see what he's talking about, we see how he does it, we see how he interacts with people, we imitate him. And all that time he's imparting to us in a training type way, right? How we're going to do a specific thing, fish for people, right? now. In the first century, a lot of the guys that were initially following Jesus, they were fishermen. So he grabbed a metaphor and, you know, just imagine you're a fisherman. He's like, oh yeah, I know, I know what that involves, right? We gotta go to where the fish are and then we gotta throw the net and then we gotta draw the net. Um, and so there's a foundation for what we're talking about. And as Jesus trained them and then he told them about going to the cross and how, how he went to the cross and he died and was resurrection and resurrected, resurrected, he told them to go wait in Jerusalem and then the power to fish for men would fall on them, right? We've been talking about this in this series, right? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and all Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Well, if you go up in the book of Acts to chapter four, we see this, this next phase of what that was, of the Holy Spirit coming on and into men and then the Holy Spirit overtaking them and overflowing out of them. We read about that in Acts 4.31. It says this, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, listen, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I want you to see the connection to the filling of the Holy Spirit and then what happens after that, all right? And this is what I want you to take away from that passage of scripture is filling equals speaking, all right? The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly, right? Well, that was their time on earth. So now it's our time on earth. Our heart is beating here. We're filling, not filled, past tense. That was their story. Now it's our story in real time. We're filling with the Holy Spirit and now we're speaking, all right? So I want you to see that relationship between filling of the Holy Spirit and speaking the word of God. Wherever we go, where we work, where we live, where we pray, where we play. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're speaking the word of God and the ways of God and the plan of God and you're working toward that. You're using words intentionally to bring about God's purposes in another person's life. That's what I want you to see, got it? All right, now Jesus told 
his followers over and over again, that he had chosen them, that he had appointed them to go bear this fruit, all right? Just another metaphor for the end game of the process. They were gonna be fishers of men. They were gonna be bearers of fruit, right? Fruit that lasts, that's key. Fruit that remains, fruit that never ends, fruit that lasts forever. And the Bible talks about the person, the man, being a tree that bears fruit. And let's see one snapshot of that that relates to reaching a soul. Proverbs 11.30 says this, the fruit of the righteous, right, those who know God, is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. I love that, right? So not only is uh, Jesus, right, letting people into relationship with him, sins forgiven, purpose for living, home in heaven, but there's a purpose on earth before we go to our home in heaven, and that is to fish for people, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, speak the word of God boldly, and to win souls. Now, why is it wise to win souls? Well, because when you win a soul, that lasts forever. It goes with you. There's a lot of things that we do, a lot of energy that we put into a lot of things, right? Just think about your life and where you dedicate time and energy and it stays right here with you. But the Bible teaches that we're called, chosen, appointed, right? To bear fruit, fruit that lasts forever. How do you do that? Well, wisely, you win souls. Because what are the two things that go with us to heaven? God's word and people, all right? I love that. He who is wise wins souls. And this falls right under that category of what does the Holy Spirit want to do in and through you with people? He wants to, to help lead them to salvation. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to look at a man, an example of a man, overtaken by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he knows why, all right? And this is, we find this man in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, of course, it's our brother Paul, the apostle. And I just want you to listen to this picture that he paints, uh, which kind of goes to what's gotten into him, and he's trying to explain what's gotten into him, all right? Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, it's one of our key passages. Uh, Paul says this, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly perspective. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Wow. It's all there. Okay? It's all there. Right? You see people differently when God is in your life. God's love comes into your life. It's made real and animated through the Holy Spirit. You experience God's love, and then you express 
your experience, which means how you think, how you live, and on the how you think level, I underlined it in the downloaded notes. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Well, what point of view do you regard them? You regard them from an eternal point of view. Right now, in those 25 to 30 interactions that you're gonna have, today, tomorrow, the next day, most every day that you're functioning, um, the people that you bump into fall into one of two categories. A, they are a believer in Jesus Christ, all right? What's your job there? Well, we learned about that in part five. Encourage that person, build up that person, right? To love God and to love people and to live out God's purposes, okay? The other type of person is a non-believer, all right? What's your job with them, all right? Your job's to reach their soul, to evangelize, encourage and evangelize. That's it. There's only two options in terms of the people that you run into, believer, non-believer, encourage or evangelize, right? And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's like, that's how I see people. I see them as believers and I see them as non-believers. When I'm with believers, I encourage and build them up and that's what I spend a lot of time doing. And when I see non-believers or I know there's non-believers, my, my heart's desire is that they go from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. That's what the word reconciliation involves, right? Two people, two parties are at odds and when they become reconciled, right, they stop being enemies and they start being friends again, right? Right, when you are reconciled to a person after a conflict, right, you were at odds, then you got reconciled back through a process, right? The Apostle Paul says that every believer has this ministry of reconciliation, right? So when they're with people, we're God's ambassadors. He says later in 2 Corinthians 5, we're God's ambassadors. What do ambassadors do? Well, they build bridges between countries and kingdoms, right? And we're an ambassador of the king. We represent heaven on earth in the relationships and we're building bridges and we're saying, you know what? You're without Christ, but God loves you and you can be a friend of Christ. When you're without Christ, right? That's, that's hostile right? You're God, you're in charge, or something else is God that's not God, right? But let me show you how to become a friend of God. I love that, that gospel tune, I am a friend of God, because it is the outcome, the glorious outcome of being reconciled to God. We make peace with God, how? Through the bridge of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Simple, and that's how we gotta keep it. Now, there's an example of a man who gets it. Question, do you get it? Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Are you filled, empowered, and led by the Holy Spirit? If you're filled, empowered, and led by the Holy Spirit, you release captives, you relieve pain, you reduce loads, you raise spirits, you reach souls. Because that is what the Holy Spirit wants to do through God's man. So let's look at what reaching souls is gonna evolve, what are we gonna feel, sense, experience, and do, because the Holy Spirit's working in us to do those things. Number one, the Holy Spirit will move you to sacrifice for the lost, all right? Now, Jesus himself said that in Luke chapter 15, verses four through seven. He said, suppose one of you had a 100 sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one? until you found it? 
When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. Wow. So what is the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to burden you. He will move you to leave what's comfortable, all the people who don't need rescuing, into the unknown or to take a risk or to go into spaces and places where people who, are, who need rescue and need saving, right? And that's the sacrifice. When you go from what's comfortable to what's uncomfortable and perhaps unknown, from a heart position of, oh my gosh, this person needs the Lord, right? Do you leave the 99 to go for the one? And man, there is heaven. If you wanna ring the bell in heaven, do that. That's what Jesus said, parties. Party after party after party after party, ding, 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 ding. Spirit-filled people winning souls to Jesus, reconciling people to God, enemies now friends, that's cause for celebration in heaven. Men, there's a wave of this coming, and it comes through a confidence in knowing who you are, your identity, putting energy into who you are, and letting the Holy Spirit tell you who you are, and that identity and energy leading to an expression which reaches souls. It's happening all over the world. And you're on this, you're on this, uh, you know, this session with me right now on the global live stream because God's calling you to do it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Second, the Holy Spirit will use your words to testify about Jesus. Now, again, Jesus predicted this, all right? As he was preparing to go to the cross, be crucified, die, and resurrect, right? And go to the Father, he had to prepare the disciples. And so he had to give them the game plan that was coming. He said this, when the friend I plan to send you from the Father comes, the spirit of truth issuing from the Father, he will confirm everything about me. You too, from your side, must give your confirming evidence since you are in this with me from the start. Do you, do you see what Jesus is saying? He's, he's saying, hey, I'm gonna leave, but you're not alone. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and he's gonna animate and lead you as if I'm physically present, but he's gonna be my spiritual presence and he's gonna testify about me to you. All right? He's gonna confirm that I'm the Lord. He's gonna confirm my person, that I'm God. He's gonna confirm my work on the cross for you, that I died for your sins. He's gonna confirm my calling on you, that I've chosen and appointed you to go bear fruit. He's gonna confirm everything I've said about you and he's gonna confirm your mission going forward. So the Holy Spirit testifies to us and then we, in turn, roll that over and start testifying to other people. So the Holy Spirit takes from Jesus, testifies to us, and then we testify to other people. So the Holy Spirit will use our words to testify or give testimony. And when we tell our story of what we've experienced and what we've witnessed, 
in the person of Christ, we use words, right? That's why I said the Holy Spirit will use words to testify. Just imagine, you know, being called up as a witness in a court. What did they do? State your name, uh, do you, where's the defendant, you know, over there, what exactly happened, uh, can you tell us, right? Keywords, can you tell us? That's what a, a lawyer asks a witness, can you tell us, right? And that's what God's asking is of us. Jesus is saying, hey, from my side, Holy Spirit's gonna come testify to you. From your side, right, you're gonna give your confirming evidence, right, of Jesus, right? You're testifying about the reality of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the presence of Jesus in your life and what he has done for you. Number three, the Holy Spirit prompts us to know and make known the gospel, all right? Let's read and unpack God's word on this point. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says this, Friends, let me go over the message with you one final time. The message that I proclaimed and that you made your own. This message on which you took your stand and by which your life has been saved. I'm assuming now that your belief was the real thing, not a passing fancy, that you're in this for good and holding fast. The first thing I did was place before you what was placed so emphatically before me, that the Messiah died for our sins, exactly as scripture tells it, that he was buried and that he was raised from death on the third day, again, exactly as scripture says. So the Holy Spirit prompts us to know the gospel and make known. I love the language here. Paul says, let me go over this again. Ever had somebody say this? Hey, let's be clear. Let's go over this one more time just to make sure that you know, right? And he says, this is the message that I proclaimed and that you made your own, okay? Kinda important that we would know the message upon which we're making our eternal stand upon which our eternal guarantee is made. So Paul is in this first things first, all right? Forget about all the other stuff. We just wanna focus on you knowing the gospel, you knowing the message that saved you, and then we're gonna focus on making it known, right? First things first, know the message and then make it known. Can we say that together? Know the message and make it known. And that's where we spend a lot of time thinking, all right? Not too hard because the message of the gospel is simple, right? God loves us to prove it. He sent Christ and then you can accept or reject what he did and there are consequences to acceptance and rejection. There you go. The gospel is about God taking the initiative and the person of Christ, the person and work of Christ, he's God and he died for you so that you could have relationship forever with God. There it is. You can accept that, what he did for you, for yourself, or you can reject it and there's consequences to both. So the Holy Spirit will move us to sacrifice for the lost. The Holy Spirit will use words to testify about Jesus. The Holy Spirit will prompt us to know and make known the gospel. Why? Because that's the message that saved us. And then lastly, and finally, the Holy Spirit creates an urgency and energy in light of eternity, all right? Talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. Listen carefully. Paul says, cheerfully, 
Pleasing God is the main thing, and that's what we aim to do, regardless of our condition. Sooner or later, we'll all have to face God. Regardless of our conditions, we will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. That keeps us vigilant. You can be sure it's no light thing to know that we'll all one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. So you see a couple of things going that lead to another thing. One is you have an awareness on the part of Paul the believer, the man of God, of eternity, all right? There's a future meeting, all right? Then you see him aware that there's limited time, right? Got an unknown ending, a future meeting, right? And we have limited time. So eternity and accountability to God creates urgency. I'm gonna say that one more time. Eternity and accountability to God, right? The fact that one day your heart will stop and you will stand before God and be an attorney. But it's not just, oh, hey, how's it going? It's no, there's actually for the believer accountability. It's like, okay, I saved you. I left you on earth. I gave you relationships and resources and time and opportunities. What'd you do with them? That right there, for God's man, should create urgency, just like it created urgency for Paul. His last uh, thought here is, that's why we work urgently with everyone we meet, to get them ready to face God. So every person in that 25 to 30 interactions, one day, they're going to eternity, and they're gonna face God. And either they will be in Christ or not in Christ. All right, and there's consequences to both of those conditions, all right? It's really simple, all right? Holy Spirit creates an urgency and energy in light of eternity. All right, now, finally, last point. The Holy Spirit will validate for others the truth of the message. So you're, where you work, where you live, where you pray, where you play, you got 25, 30 interactions a day. You can take a conversation anywhere you wanna go is the burden on you to save someone? 100% no, all right? Maybe you knew that, but I'm just reminding you that it's not on you, it's, it's not on your words, it's not on how fancy, you know, not how much you know the Bible, it's your job is to initiate a conversation, use words to bring people to God, and then the Holy Spirit is already at work all around this person. Otherwise, he wouldn't have brought you next to them. So he's already done sort of the prep work and the soil tilling. He's, he's already been talking to this person and there's a story that's unfolding that you're a little part of, right? And God's man understands that, right? But the Holy Spirit, the burden is on the Holy Spirit. When we read about this in Hebrews chapter six, it says this, once people have seen the light, gotten a taste of heaven and been part of the work of the Holy Spirit, once they've personally experienced the sheer goodness of God's word and the powers breaking in on us, if they turn their backs on that, washing their hands of the whole thing, well, it can't start over as if nothing happened. That's impossible. What is God's word telling us right now? The Holy Spirit does it all. 
All right, let's say that together. The Holy Spirit does it all. That's right, man of God. The Holy Spirit, number two, doesn't mess around. Holy Spirit does it all. Holy Spirit doesn't mess around. It makes the message, he makes the message clear. All right, they see it, they recognize it, they, they make a decision and responds to it. And the Holy Spirit confirms that our message is God's word. And when the Holy Spirit does that, all right, it's off you, right? It was never on you, but you need to remember, hey, it's off me. So that's what's cool about these 25 to 30 interactions. You can just be filled, empowered, controlled, partnering with the Holy Spirit, and he's gonna start letting you in on what he's already doing, all right? And then he's gonna give you opportunities to use words, right? Because if you're filled, you're speaking, to influence the conversation, to season the conversation, right? And maybe you're planting seeds, maybe you're picking fruit, and you're gonna lead that person to the Lord. I don't know, but the Holy Spirit is at work, and that's comforting. It's comforting to know that he's already at work, he's providentially arranged this interaction with all of these people, and then you can use words in your presence um, to and actions uh, to start moving the kingdom forward, leading toward salvation in their life. In John chapter 16, Jesus reaffirms the Holy Spirit's role in, in really accomplishing the work of salvation and, and not messing around. Jesus says this, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to Father, where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And so, helping someone feel the presence of God, feel the, the awareness of God, uh, think uh, about sin, think about righteousness, think about that moment of judgment, um, that's the on the Holy Spirit. So again, you should be telling yourself, wow, that's reassuring and that's comforting. My job is just to, to show up and give Jesus this loaf and fish of my obedience and give God my words. And then the Holy Spirit's gonna take those and go to work, right? But he's just letting us participate. Does the Holy Spirit need us? No. Is the Holy Spirit letting us participate? Yes. And this is the most exciting part about being a follower of Jesus, is doing something eternal for another person. Fellas, there's 700 million men in the world who name the name of Jesus in some way, right? What would happen? Let's not use such a meta number. What would happen in your church if all the men who named the name of Jesus were filled, empowered, and controlled by the Holy Spirit, took the initiative in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then gave the results to God. They did their part, right? Wow. Now, when we think about reaching a soul, that's where this whole thing of the Holy Spirit and God working ahead of us, and then, and then God arranging an intersection, that's where there is this, what I would call this mysterious perfection um, that, that comes onto the scene. And this is talked about in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 4. One of the greatest evangelists of all time, right? The greatest talkers about Jesus, Paul, right? Listen to what he says. He talks about this mysterious perfection in 1 Corinthians 2. He says this, you'll remember, friends, 
that when I first came to you to let you let you in on God's sheer genius, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is, and then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally, listen, inadequate. I was scared to death, if you want the truth of it, and so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message came through anyway. God's spirit and God's power did it, amen. Aren't you glad, right? You don't have to use fancy words, polished speeches, be a philosophy major, have a, have a big degree or letters after your name. You can just be plain and simple. Paul said, it's Jesus and who he is. It's God, he's Lord. And then there's Jesus and what he did, right? He died for sin. And when God initiates to die for your sin, to wash it away so that you can know him, got a decision to make, right? And I love his commentary, right? Unsure, inadequate, uh-huh, sure, everybody, that has seen this guy when Paul was living on earth. It's like, are you kidding me? You're an amazing speaker, but that's how, that was his attitude, that was his approach. You know, he didn't, he, just, he was unsure and he was adequate and he was just scared to death. But what's so cool is he's like, hey, but guess what? I could have butchered it, but the message came through anyway. Why, because it's not my message. And the Holy Spirit's already at work and God's spirit and God's power did it, amen. So God's man, just three things in closing, write these down. God's man, just like this God's man, takes the initiative, all right? You take a risk, all right? The Holy Spirit's ahead of you, which should make you assured that it's okay to take the risk. Hey, I'm here, I'm already, I'm already working. Go ahead and turn the conversation uh, in a spiritual direction toward Jesus somehow. All right, I'll, I'll open a door for you, all right? And to be aware, take the initiative. Second, God's man keeps the message simple. I think I've done it three or four times in this message, but you know, hey, I, I realize God loved me. He proved it by sending Jesus to die for me on the cross for my sins, all my mistakes, because he's mistakeless, and wash them away. And now, because my sins are washed away, I can know God because God is sinless. So now I can have a relationship with God. Um, and I just have to make a decision. I made that decision to do that. You ever made, you ever had an experience like that? Do you wanna make, do you wanna make a decision like that? Um, third, God's man lets the Holy Spirit multiply his obedience. What I loved about that last passage from 1 Corinthians 2 was that Paul just scared, unsure, totally inadequate, just kinda gave it a whirl. <laughs> and was obedient, all right? Listen, I know that that doesn't sound really spiritual, but the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, every man listening to the sound of my voice right now needs to give it a whirl, all right? You ever given something a whirl? It's like, maybe it's a motorcycle. It's like, hey, give it a whirl. Maybe it's a mountain bike. Hey, give it a whirl. Maybe it's a golf club. Hey, give that a whirl, you know? Take a test, all right? Take a risk. Try it out, man of God. And just make sure that you're filled, empowered, and partnering with the Holy Spirit, just as you go about your day, right? And then when you interact with people, say, Holy Spirit, do you want me to say something? 
Holy Spirit, what can I say that would help lead a person to closer, uh, maybe a step or two closer to salvation? Or Holy Spirit, you know, do you want me to, to share my testimony with this person? Or Holy Spirit, this person's ready to begin a relationship with you. Help me to help them pray, right? Take a whirl, all right? The Holy Spirit says today, man of God, let's go. How many of you have ever done that? It's just kind of like, come on, let's go, all right? That's what the Holy Spirit is saying to this community. That's why we've had this six-part series, Overtaken. It's all been leading to this, all right? So the Holy Spirit overtakes you. You help set people free, release captives, right? Get people out of bondage. That tills the soil for the gospel. You relieve pain. That tills the soil for a conversation. You reduce loads. You make other people's burdens light. Man, that's real. Uh, that counts. That shows integrity. You are an encouraging person, right? That builds more relational capital. But now, doors are opening, and the Holy Spirit is saying, in this moment, it's not any of those things. Reach their soul, right? And so we're going to pray right now. We're going to put a prayer on the screen, and we're going to pray, and we're going to say, let's go with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, pray this with me. Holy Spirit, I want to join your process in people's lives. Help me to be an agent of your power, an ambassador, and a humble instrument to share with others my hope in you through the gospel. Give me your set of glasses to see people the way you see them. Precious ones needing to know and experience God's love. Lost ones needing to find their refuge in their maker and savior. Lonely ones who need to find hope again through having their past forgiven and purpose for living. And deceived ones who need to experience the truth, freedom, and healing of your works deep within. Use me, grab my heart, grip my emotions, open my lips, light a new fire within, set me loose until I die. And in Jesus' name I ask, and all God's men said, amen. Now let's go. See you next week.